Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Thank you, Zach, so much. Hey, it's uh, man, it's just so exciting. I, here's the deal: uh, if you're a man and you're in the room and and you're like, "What is up with these guys that are just hyped up?" It's whatever. I'm telling you, if you want real transformation in your life, if you if you really want to give yourself that opportunity, you need to go to the return. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I um, I, I've lived for God for a long time. I've, I've lived for God for a lot of years, and I, I may be younger than some of you, but I, I've lived for God for a long time, and I've got theological training, and I've done ministry in different contexts, and I've got a lot of mentors in my life that have, that have walked alongside me over seasons of life, and all of those things have contributed to my walk with God, but I'll just tell you, the return is just a few days, and, and that short period for me when I went through it was the single most impactful, compact piece of time that changed my walk with God compared to everything. And I've been doing it a long time. And if you've got it in your mind, ah, I've been to a men's deal before, I know, I know. You don't know. So if you're a man and you're like, I think I'm ready to ready to move forward in my walk with God. On the seat back pocket in front of you, or the, the, there's a little barcode thing right in front of you on the seat. Just scan that. Dig through a website. I don't even know where it is on the website. But take the time, dig around. You're going to find a way to sign up to be on the list for the return. And uh, and I'm telling you, when we when we publish the dates, there's, there's only 12 spots. And we've got a, a waiting list of like 45, 50 guys right now. So you got to act quick. Um, just... You got to do it. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Change your life. Uh, it, I see people fanning themselves in here. It's a little toasty. Guess what? We have this huge HVAC system in there that's just going to dump cold air on everybody. So good. Um, man, it's it's pretty exciting. The uh, <laughs> All these dudes are up here, and I was like, man, it stinks up here. <laughs> This morning, because I was at the return with them, I came home last night, and this morning I was with my 10-year-old helping him get ready for church, and um, I'm like, bro, I was like, you're 10, but you're starting to get, like, real man sweat smells, like, <laughs> let's go, it's almost time to start using deodorant, and he's like, I know, dad, I'm, I'm growing, I was like, that's cool, bro, and then I walked away from him, and I was like, I still smell it, <laughs> that was me, <laughs> It was me. I said, hey, I think you're good. You don't need deodorant yet. Just keep being a kid. <laughs> you're, you're good. Hey, is Francis here? Francis, are you here? 
I, I, I don't, there you are. Francis has been adding and taking care of the flowers in the, in the front. The flowers look amazing. I, uh, I love the smell. I come in, I'm like, I just, I just want to go stand in the front of the church to smell the smells. Beautiful. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, it's awesome when somebody is, uh, ha- has a passion for something. It's just different. It just is different when someone's passionate about it. Um, we're going to kick off a brand new uh, collection of messages this week. So around here, the way we preach is we preach in, we call them either a series or a collection. Basically what it is is we do uh, a bunch of messages on the same uh, idea. And, and they're not too long because I get bored if they're too long. Uh, but usually four to five weeks of the same idea. And so it could be uh, that we're going through like a book of the Bible. It, it could be going through a chapter of the Bible verse by verse. Sometimes we'll just take a topic and we'll just kind of hit different aspects of that topic for for a few weeks and uh, and what we're doing now would be what I would call a biographical series and that's where we take a character in scripture and we just walk along with that character through their life so for the next four weeks we're going to be going through the life of Joseph in the Bible and what I love about Joseph as we're going to go into it we're going to we're going to talk about what it's like to have dreams that hit reality we're going to talk about how to, when we're betrayed, how to reconcile with other people. We're going to talk about how to be faithful in obscurity. And then the last week is Father's Day, and we're going to talk about the greatest thing a dad can do for a son. And so I just want to encourage you, stick around for those. I think they're, they're going to change your life. They're going to be powerful. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. He can change our lives. And so today, as I jump into it, are you ready? You guys ready? Yeah. Hey, chances are you've had a, a dream in your life before. Chances are uh, that, that you've, you've had uh, something that you had aspired to, a hope that you had looked forward to. But for me, I know that there are some dreams in my life that I will just never get to. Let me say it like this. I just recognize, I know that... For half of you, I'm still a youngster. But for the other half of you, I'm old and out of date. I get it. But here's the deal. I just recognize that there are some things in my life that will probably just not happen anymore. Like my dream of becoming a professional athlete. (laughs) Not likely to happen at this point in my life. Just being real, it's it's not likely to happen. My, My dream of being as tall as my Norwegian cousins who are all six foot seven and stacked. Not likely to happen at this point in my life. My dream of maintaining a full head of hair throughout the rest of my life. Not likely to happen as so many of you take opportunity to remind me. Thank you, thank you. My dream of uh, being really, really ridiculously good looking is, is not likely to happen. I think there was like a very short window for any kind of attraction. And thankfully, I met my wife during that time. Like, got her. My, my dream of being the youngest of anything anymore is, is not likely to happen. I remember when I, I, earlier in my ministry times, I, I would have uh, 
people that would, that they'd, I'd preach and they'd come up and they'd say, so uh, are you like, uh, where, where, who's the pastor? Like, <laughs> who's, the, who's the pastor? I'm like, I'm, I'm not the children's pastor. I'm actually the pastor, <laughs> you know? And now I'm at an age where people, uh, they, they're kind of like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. Like, it kind of, maybe you should wear a suit and a tie, but it kind of makes sense. I think, I think for me, anyway, there are some realities that were dreams, that were some ideas that I liked probably aren't going to happen. But if, if I'm honest, th- those weren't really dreams. Those were desires that I had. They weren't necessarily big God dreams in my life. And I think we can all relate to the gap between our dreams and the reality of our lives. How, how our lives, we have a desired future for our life in different aspects of life. And, and often... Most of the time, it doesn't match the reality of life. And that gap in between is a place that is frustrating and discouraging. Maybe for you, you had hoped that you had this dream that you'd have close, tight-knit relationships with somebody. You were just looking for somebody that, that got you, somebody that saw you. You know, somebody that could finish your sandwiches. That's correct. <laughs> And, and maybe you're, just, you're looking for that in your life. Or, or maybe your dream is that you would be in a specific or, or, or sort of a, like a financial situation. That the financial picture of your life would look like this. But the financial realities of your life looks like something different. And it's that gap that creates frustration. Maybe for you, you just you would hope that your marriage would look like this. But it really, it doesn't line up to the dream. It looks like something different. And just the discouragement is what's in between. If you have a pulse and you are in this room, I believe that at some point you've had a dream in your life. Why don't you open those back doors and let us breathe a little bit? So what do you do? Thank you. Thank you, guys. What do you do when your dreams collide with the reality of your life? And reality seems to win. What do you do then? We're going to look at the very first book of the Bible to find an answer for what it looks like when dreams collide with reality. The very first book of the Bible is called Genesis. The word Genesis just means beginnings, and that's what the book is all about. It, it's about the, the origins and, and the, the meaning behind the origins of people. It's about the, uh, the way our world is broken. It, it, it's about the reason why we are, as humans, we are dysfunctional. Is anybody else recognize that everybody else in the room but you is dysfunctional? That's me. I'm like, it's all of you people. If it wasn't for all of you, we'd all get along, right? It's like everybody, the truth is we are all dysfunctional in our own ways. If you're looking for a church that's going to that's gonna point fingers at you and say, you're the problem, you're probably wrong because guess what? The pastor is part of the problem. <laughs> We're all dysfunctional. It's part of our broken world. And as the Bible talks about this in this book of Genesis, of it is actually not like dates and facts and places and information. 80% of the book of Genesis is about a family. It's about a family, specifically three members of a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the, what we would call the patriarchs or the fathers of faith. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the, the, the writers are going to use them to triangulate which God they're talking about. They're going to say, I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the specific God we're talking about that created the heavens and the earth. And as we move into the New Testament, we discover that's the same God that we serve. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the youngest of those three, his name is Jacob, and According to scripture, he has uh, the youngest son, and his name is Joseph. Later in life, he's going to have an even younger son, but right now, this boy named Joseph is his youngest son, and Jacob breaks rule number one of being a parent. He has a favorite. He breaks rule number one. Rule number one is do not have a favorite child. And Joseph is Jacob's favorite child for two primary reasons. Number one, the Bible tells us that, that Joseph would go and spy on his brothers and tattle on them. Does anybody love the kid that just tells you what's going on? You know what I mean? I love it. It's great. <clears throat> and, and Jacob was a shepherd. And so what his brothers were doing often looked like things that would cost the family a profit. And so by informing dad, he was keeping the family business in the black. And so dad liked that about him. But there's, there's a bigger reason why Jacob liked Joseph. You see, Joseph grew up in a blended family. But different than you and I might have experienced. The way we experience that is maybe somebody got married or had a child and then they, they get married to somebody else that had a child. Like they get a divorce and they marry somebody else with a child. And then, then we, have, uh, we have a blended family, sort of two family trees coming together. In this situation, it is different because Jacob has two wives. His family is blended from the start. Somebody right now, you're like, I told you. Like, polygamy's in the Bible. Like, let's go. <laughs> you would have to be an idiot to read the stories of polygamy in the Bible and think the Bible was in any way condoning it. Every single time the Bible describes that happening, it is an absolute train wreck. And so this is the world he was raised in, and he was the, the only son of Jacob's favorite wife. Which, again, I don't know what the rules are in polygamy, but I think rule number one is don't have favorites. <laughs> and when it comes to being a parent, Jacob also breaks rule number two of being a parent. Rule number two is if you have favorites, keep it a secret. <laughs> Hide it. But instead what he does is he begins to shower his blessings on the sun. He, he gives his son a coat of many colors. One translation would say. Another translation might say a, a beautiful coat. The point is that we're talking about like Iron Age or like, like, like Iron Age people. Like uh, people that are, this is, this is an ancient people. Actually, this would be before the Iron Age. And, and these people, um, they're... Uh, 
Their, their clothing looks like wool from animals. It looks like something similar to burlap, something just a, a, a little uh, like, like what you could gather from around you and, and, and put on. And, and what's going on with this young man is his dad has not only got him a fabric of some sort that absorbs dye, but there would also be like collecting dye from aquatic animals and plants to be able to dye the plants. This is a big deal in their world. Like, he got the Xbox and nobody else did. It was, it was a symbol of his dad's favor on, him, on his life. It was, it was a symbol of his dad's affirmation, but it was also a symbol of the family dysfunction. And when they were younger and they were growing up, this guy... Um, I, I just want to say, just because I'm not very good at hiding things, somebody dropped gum somewhere in the church, and I stepped on it, and so my foot is sticking to the floor. <laughs> Let's keep our gums in our mouth or in the trash can, okay? <laughs> it's, uh, okay, here we go. So I'm, I'm sitting here, like, trying not. <clears throat> Thank the Lord we don't have carpet, Amen. <laughs> And so this young man had, he had, he had got, he had created disapproval from his brothers. He had the affirmation of his father, but the disapproval of his brothers. And when he would tell on them, it created jealousy and anger and distrust and resentment. And this story picks up somewhere in his teenage years, somewhere roughly between 13 to 17 years old. We find in Genesis chapter 37, this story. It says, one night Joseph had a dream. This young man had, had two great things going for him. One is he had the affirmation. This is super bothering me. I'm sorry. Okay. My foot is sticking to the, make sure my shoes match. Okay, there we go. Uh, make sure, I don't usually have matching socks, so we're good. We're in the good. I'm sorry if you came for a more dignified preacher. I'm just... So you guys are, you guys are ridiculous. Okay, so, <clears throat> so it says he had a dream, and he had two great things going for him in his life. One was the affirmation of a father, which is huge. And there are some people in this room that you experienced that in this life. You've experienced that your dad was proud of you and, and he believed in you. And can I just tell you men that have children in the room, your job is not to nurture your children. Your job is to affirm them. Dads, your job is to affirm identity and calling and purpose and belonging in your children, telling them that they matter and that they can do something. They've got what it takes, and they can make a difference in the world around them. That's your job. And some of us in the room have not yet experienced that. It's a difficulty, and so we identify more with the brothers who resented Joseph for having that. But we're talking about Joseph. He had the affirmation of a father. And the second thing he had was a dream from heaven. And that combination is just a unique recipe where God can bless it and things can happen in someone's life. 
Here's the deal. We, we all have dreams. We all have dreams. And, and that's the passion that's in the heart of this, this house that you're in today. We really, what we're looking for is we, we want to convince you and show you the love that God has for you. We want you to be fully persuaded that God loves you, that God's proud of you, and that God will never leave you or forsake you. And the second big thing we really want to do is we want to help you discover the dreams that God has put inside of you. Begin to discover the passions and the, and the calling of your life so that you can walk into all he's got for you. This is why we do a thing called Crash Course the first and second week of every month. The purpose of it is sort of twofold. Number one, if you're new to this church and you want to be able to figure out quickly whether or not we're the church for you, it's a good way to figure out what we're like and say, maybe this isn't my flavor. But it's also a way that we begin the conversation of helping you discover who you are and how you were designed and what God's purposes are for your life. Because ultimately, the greatest, this is a quote from my brother-in-law. He talks about like, the, the, if you know, my, my brother-in-law's name is Toby. He's one of the pastors here on staff. And, and one, of the, one of the things he talks about is how this valley, the greatest tragedy of this valley is we're a valley full of people with a Christian ethic, but no marching orders from the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you, that's the purpose of Crash Course is to get you beginning that process, to get that ball moving. Do it. And so, I would ask you today, what dream has God placed in your heart? Is it a dream about your finances? Is it a dream about your family? Is it a dream about a calling? Well, preacher, I don't know if I have a, if it's a God dream that's on my life. Well, over the next few weeks, we'll give you some ideas, some lenses you can look at it with to maybe see if it is a God dream. But I'll tell you the first key to whether or not it's a God dream that's in your life. Does it require God? Because if it's just something you can do on your own, probably not a God-sized dream. If it's something that requires something more than your assets and your talent and your skills, if it's something that probably requires the body of Christ gathering around and helping it move forward, if it's probably something that requires the breath of God breathing on it to make it come alive, that's probably a God dream. Probably a God dream. If it's, uh, if it's really just primarily about you and it's, it's about you kind of building your thing, that's, that's probably probably not a God dream, but, but it could be. Somebody might say, well, well, preacher, my dream is to like start a business and, and to make lots of money. And I know that's, that's not spiritual. Can we just kill that stupid dichotomy that being a business owner or an entrepreneur is somehow not spiritual? God uses people in the body of Christ to create influence in the kingdom of God and affect more people than this church could ever affect through business. Like it could just be that God wants to leverage the gifts and talents he's put in your life to start a business, not just to build a legacy for your family, but potentially to build a legacy for many families. 
Okay. I've never preached in socks before. So I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. We're going to move forward. Same verse. Same verse says this in verse 5. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. He told the people that he thought would most support him, and they were the only, or they were the specific ones who did not support him. Isn't that the way it goes? Sometimes the person you thought that would be, get behind you. And they didn't get behind him for, for a valid reason. Like, does anybody live in a family where, like, you've got the child that does everything right, but they always get in trouble, and then you've got the other kid that does all the things and never gets in trouble? Like, they could do anything, and they never get in trouble. Anybody know that person? Yeah. I was that person. <laughs> uh, my sisters were older than me, so, like, they were good girls, but they would get in trouble for everything. <laughs> They'd always get in trouble. And I could do anything. I would tell my mom what I was doing, and it would be bad. And she would laugh and say, oh, you're so cute. I know you're not doing that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so it creates a resentment. And my sister used to fold me up and put me inside the dresser door and shut the door on me. That's the resentment. It's the sibling rivalry. He's the child that can do nothing wrong, and they're mad at him because now it feels like he's got some God favor in his life. Listen to me. We all have dreams. We have dreams. And those dreams all have details. We have dreams... And those dreams all have details. And if you're not careful, the voices of people around you will become like a gravitational pull, a detail in your dream that pulls you with jealousy and anger and envy away from what God has called you to do. It could be the very people you turn to for advice that, that throw buckets of cold water on the God-sized dream of your life. It's often the very people we rely on for encouragement that maybe think they're adding wisdom to your life, but the truth is they're dampening the dream God has placed in your life. There are some people that it is safe to share your dream with, but not everyone. Be, be transparent with everyone, but be selectively vulnerable. I'm not saying surround yourself with yes people. Like, you know, like on American Idol and that, that person shows up and they're like at the, at the tryouts and like Simon Cowell's like, oh, he starts laughing halfway through. And you're like, oh my goodness, Simon, you're so mean. Simon's not mean. Whoever the family member was, I was like, yeah, you go, girl. Here's a plane ticket. That's the one that's mean. We don't need yes people in our lives, but when it comes to our dreams, we must be careful who we share them with because when a dream is fragile, a comment can become a detail in that dream. In those moments, we've got to find encouragement rather than discouragement. <clears throat> got to find people that loved you before you dreamed big. Got to find people that loved you before and that love you now 
more than ever. Can I say that the, the biggest thing that drowns somebody's dreams is if they are desperate for the approval of those around them or they're terrified of the disapproval of the people around them? This is why we have people that might be experiencing a high level of excellence in their world. And when they look back, they, they realize that <clears throat> they, they had like a high level of competition and competitiveness when they were younger. But when they look even farther than that, they realize that they were somebody that could never gain the approval of somebody. And so they constantly tried to be perfect at everything to somehow make someone happy. And I'm just telling you, that's a recipe for a detail in a dream. The recipe for detail. These brothers, they, they go off and they are, they're taking the sheep out into the fields. I'm not going to tell you. Somebody, some, some church mother is waiting for me to tell you what the dreams are. I ain't doing it. <laughs> what I'll do is this. I'll say, for the next four weeks, we're going to be on this story. And this story begins in Genesis chapter 37. Why don't you go get your Bible and, and, and read it. And read those dreams. And ask the Lord what he was trying to say to this young man through those dreams. And if you don't have a Bible, guess what? We're a church and we give them away for free. <laughs> Connection table, go get yourself a Bible. But his brothers go off and they're, they're out being shepherds and they're, they're doing the shepherdy thing. And his dad sends him out to go see how his brothers are doing. We would understand what's going on. He's asking his brother, he's asking him to go spy on his brothers. Go, go, go see what they're doing. And when he gets to the land that they were supposed to be at, they're not there. But there was a man there who said, I, I don't really, I don't know, but I, I heard them say they were going to this place, a different field. And he says, okay. So he goes off to the different field looking for the brothers. And when they see him coming from a long way off, that, that envy, that jealousy, that rage, the sign of his father's approval that he's wearing, it just it enrages them. And they say, we're going to kill this kid. And here's what it says in verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. And then they grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. I think it's so important that while their intention was to kill him, the thing they did, they could have been a lot more efficient by simply kicking him into the cistern, but they, they took the time to remove the symbol of his father's approval before they threw him in the cistern. They, they took the time to take away the robe that was, that was the sign of, of his dad's approval and the authority that said he's, he's part of something bigger in his life. The, the thing that said, you're headed somewhere, young man, that was the thing they took from him. They didn't just get rid of him. They tried to take away his sense of belonging and identity. It's a powerful symbol. And the truth is this, is that the enemy of your soul will always try to rip off the things out of your life that demonstrate the Father's love. Every time you start moving towards a dream, I'm telling you, it's not the dream that comes under attack. It's the Father's approval of your life that comes under attack. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you like show up to work naked? Get up to preach naked? I, I never had those. I, I had the one, I had the school ones. Am I the only one that's ever had a weird dream like that? <laughs> okay, I got some honest people. Third service is honest. First and second are like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I, I used to have those dreams in high school, and I'd be like at class, and there's like nothing you can do. You're already like you got off the bus, and no one said anything, and and in your in your dream, you just you just feel so exposed and embarrassed, and you're just like, oh, there's so much shame, and you feel like you don't know what to do. That's what they're doing to him before trying to destroy the dream. They're trying to expose him. They're trying to create shame in his life. Can I tell you that the native tongue of your enemy is shame? I've always, I've always believed and felt a strong sense of God's favor on my life. That's something I've never doubted. But I have not often, I, I, I'll almost say rarely have I felt favored by people. And I remember feeling called, like when I was like 13 years old, like I felt called to lead a church. That's what I felt called to do. And it, in my mind, it was something like this. But you got to understand, I pastored a church of like, I mean, I, I was raised in a church of like 30 people. So this was outside the scope of anything I had seen before. But this is what I was feeling inside of me. And I would have people say things like, like that's, that's really nice, Roger, but more than likely, you'll just follow in your dad's steps and, you know, you'll just, you'll just run the funeral home that your dad owns. They weren't trying to be rude. They were just trying to bring, bring a voice of reality into my world. I remember during 2020 when, when God was opening the door to bless this church with this building. It was a miracle from God. I was on, I was on cloud nine. I was so excited, just, just like God, I could feel God moving. And I went to a friend's birthday party in Santa Rosa. Middle of 2020, we did a birthday party in Santa Rosa. Got them. <laughs> we had to, they had to like pass out cookies to all the neighbors to make sure they didn't get told on. <laughs> it was super funny. But at this birthday party, we were all talking, and I was like, hey, I was like, hey, God is gifting our church with this massive building, and, and he's, he's at work. He's doing this stuff. And, and I'm sure there, there were people that were like, yeah, good job. But you know what I remember? What I remember is the words of a friend that I was most hoping would be excited for us. And he said, just remember, Roger, there's a lot of other people that have had opportunity like that and fell flat on their face. And I know he was trying to give me a word of caution and wisdom. I know that. But in that moment, it felt like someone was taking that robe away from me and saying, like, the favor of God, the approval of God is not on your life. And I'm just saying that's what the enemy of your soul will come after is the approval of God on your life. And so in this room, there's people, I know it, that, that maybe for you, you, you had a dream that you've been walking towards, but just through the, the hurts of life or just through the situations of life, maybe from a brother or from a sister or, or, or maybe from the church itself, there was some discouragement. Maybe it was a business partner that betrayed you and it just feels as though they ripped the robe off of you and kicked you into a well. I'm just telling you, maybe it was, maybe it was a, a spouse that, that you felt betrayed trade by and you, you feel like you were thrown into a ditch of disloyalty and dishonesty and betrayal. Can I tell you it was not just that person that caused it? Can I tell you the enemy of your soul will leverage every loose word 
to create shame in your world. The enemy of your soul will leverage every missed moment to create shame in your world. And, and I'm just telling you, you can overcome because the words that he speaks in your life and, and the, the removal of the robe, it is just a detail. It's not the dream. Because Joseph had a dream, but the dream has details. And he often thinks that if he can just mess with your details enough, you will give up on the dream. And you've said it before, haven't you? That the devil is in the details. If we're not careful, we will confuse our current details for the dream God placed in our hearts. If we're not careful, we will misplace the details for the identity of who we are in him. We will mislabel our details as where we are going. So we all have a dream, but those dreams come with details. If the enemy of your soul can simply steal your dream through a robe, then your dream wasn't deep enough. Genesis 37 verse 28, it then says that the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and they lifted him up out of the pit and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver and they took Joseph to Egypt. He must have been happy to get out of that well, but he did not know where he was going. I'm just saying, I'm saying to some men that went to the return this week, like, like do not get discouraged by some details. God's placed a dream in your life, a dream for your family, a dream for your career, a dream for where you're going. I'm just telling you, the devil is in the details. Stick to the dream. Stick to the dream. He must have thought, this is, this is the end of me. But it wasn't the end of him. It was the start of him. It, it was only the beginning of his story. That's, that's why his story is worth sharing is because of the details. The band would come. I would say this for... I know that in a room this size... This is hot. <laughs> Shwitty. I, I know in a room this size that there are people who have been living for God for a long time. And there are people who maybe you haven't been living for God for any length of time at all. And maybe there's somebody in the room that you just say, like, I'm, I'm either like, I used to be a believer and now I'm not, or, or maybe you say, I never, I, I'm just here for the free coffee and the childcare. Good job, that was smart. If that's you, I would say you probably agree with me up until this point. Because you've experienced it in life that you'll have a, dream, but there are details that make up that dream. But for believers, this is where it changes. Because for us, it's about something much deeper than the dream God places inside of us. 
It's the very foundation of our faith. That our Savior, Jesus, when, when he was on the cross, soldiers stripped him of his robe and they, dr they drug it to the ground on the cross in front of him. They began, to, they began to gamble over the very sign of dignity, the very thing that prevented shame in his life, as though the favor of God could be earned through a card game. And he went to that cross in the, in the details. It was gory and it was painful. It was not a beautiful thing. It was, it, was, it was in this place where maybe the enemy thought, if I can just hurl enough insults at him, he'll give up on the dream. If I can just bring enough shame into his life, he'll give up on the dream. If I can just get people to spit in his face and call him names, I, I can get him to give up on the dream. If I can get the ones he loved the most to betray him, he'll give up on the dream. But guess what, church? It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy, because of the dream awaiting him. He endured the cross. He endured the details, disregarding a shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He had a dream and there were details, but he went through those details. These details were difficult. They were painful and they were discouraging, but his dream was you. His dream was you. He says he, he went through that cross and he despised the shame of it, but he endured it because of you. So what is it that God has placed in your heart? You can stand with me if you want. But what is it that God has placed in your heart? Is it a dream for what your family could be? Is it a dream for the kind of man you could be? Is it a dream for the kind of wife you could be? Is it a dream for a business that you feel God calling you? Is it a dream for a ministry that you feel like God is calling you to a minute? Like, what is that dream? Because guess what? Jesus endured his details because you were his dream. That you would be made right with him. Right now, all across the room, I just want you to lift your hands towards the Lord. I speak the name of Jesus over every husband in this room that has given up on, on, on believing that he can become what he desires to be because of details. I, I speak the name of Jesus over every, every mom in this room who's looking at the details of a, of a shattered child. I, I speak the name of Jesus over every entrepreneur and businessman in this room that is looking at the details of a failing business. I speak the name of Jesus over every heart that is in despair. That the name of Jesus would overcome come, that the name of Jesus would, would prevail. I speak the name of Jesus over every teenager that's looking at the details of their family and they're not sure where to go next. I speak the name of Jesus over those things. And right now I reject every word of shame that Satan has spoken into the lives of his believers. Satan, you have no authority to speak shame into your daughter's ears. 
There, there is no right. You have no right to speak to God's children the way you have. You have no re, you have no ability to grab that robe. It doesn't belong to you. It comes from God alone. So get your grubby fingers off the children of God's belonging, off, off their acceptance of God. And I pray right now in this room that there, there would be a, a body of Christ that would rise up in this room. Not people who are just Christian in ethic and Christian in the way they think, but men and women who chase after the dreams of God, knowing there's details, but chasing after the dreams of God. Jesus. Have your way in this room. Now I just feel like somebody just needs to hear from God. You, you need to not give up on yourself just because of those details. Maybe you're in the room today and for you, you're a, you're a person that would say, I, I, I'm not right with Jesus. In fact, preacher, I would say I'm far from him. But I, I, will, I feel him drawing me to him right now. And I want that. If that's you and you feel Jesus drawing you and you want to be made right with him, can you show me your hand? Just a bold hand. I see that. I see that bold hand. Come on, that's awesome. That's good. Bold hands. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. You were his dream. This is not hard. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think do or say that don't please him. And we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, he cleanses us from all sin. He pulls us into a relationship with him. If you just raised your hand, I want you to pray something like this in your own words. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Would you forgive me? I'm turning away from them now. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. He was buried and he rose again three days later. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made, made the best decision of their life. Best decision of their life. Come on, church. Let's not get caught up in the details. Let's keep pursuing the dream that God has placed in our lives. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.